Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello, hello there, everyone. I am so excited to be back with another episode of The Red Podcast, where we really focus on welcoming in the voices of the feminine women who are standing in leadership, who are calling our attention to the ways and the means that we are being called to change the world that we live in, to change the paradigms, to change the way that we see, and more importantly, to give a voice to that rising, bold, wild, fierce, gentle, loving feminine. And so today I am really excited because I have someone coming onto the show that I have been following for quite some time on social media and within my own communities, Asha Frost. Hello, Asha. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So I, um, well, I first became aware of Asha probably, I don't even know in time how long time it was ago, but it had to have been at least three or four years ago. And I know, Asha, you've been on a tremendous journey yourself in the last three or four years, as have we all. Mm-hmm. Um, my gosh, when I, I, I can't, when I think back to four years ago, you know, I have these eras in my head. I have before COVID and after COVID, right? So there's the BC and the AC timeline. And and within the last three to four years, obviously, we have been through a tremendous uprising of all kinds of dismantling that's going on in the white patriarchal system. And I know that your journey and my journey and all of our journeys have been shifted and changed by that. So what I'd love to do is, um, if you don't know, Asha wrote a book. Was it, when did you publish your book, darling? Was it just? Just this year, March, it, March, 2020. It was this year. I feels like this year has been a bizarre year to, too. I feel like this year I've been like, I can't believe it's already August, September. I'm, it's, yeah, time has been playing tricks with me. So she published an amazing book this year called You Are the Medicine, which I love as a title. And I, what I'd love to do, Asher, is talk to you a little bit about the journey of you coming to publish that book and then how it has been for you to be standing in this message that you are the medicine. But maybe we could go back a little bit because I know that you had an event that happened in your own life that kind of catalyzed the writing of the book and you stepping out into the world. And I was wondering if you, I know you've probably shared this story a lot, but for my listeners, I wonder if you could just share a little bit about what the awakening was for you and how it's shifted your life and yeah, who you've become through this journey. Yeah. Yes. Well, it started, I mean, I, I mean, it gets probably started maybe 12 years ago of me feeling the feelings that I was going to share 12 years later. Um, I was in 
the majority of my audience are non-Indigenous folks. So a lot of um, mostly white women, to be honest, coming to receive teachings or to sit in circle with me mm. to engage in the medicines of our people. So, um, I, I mean, I love the people I work with. And what I started to notice, however, were um, some white women taking a lot of our teachings and then teaching them or sharing them or making money off of them. And I used to just feel this shaking inside. And I didn't really know why. Mm. I didn't really know why that was happening. At the time, I wasn't really connected to my own journey of colonialism or the trauma and harm that had happened. So my body knew first. Our bodies always know first. Mm -hmm. So my body would shake and I'd share with my friend on the phone, like I'd be crying or I'd be feeling this shaking. And I would say, I don't know what, I feel like something's being extracted from my bones. Like, I don't know what is going on in my body right now. Um, and then as I started to, that was sort of a little bit before social media was really like really, really sort of out there. And then I started mm -hmm. to see the ads of everybody waving the sage sticks and doing these things. And the feeling I had was it took me so long. I've been in business for 20 years. It took me so long for me to feel even comfortable sharing my own teachings. How is it these white women are sharing them with ease? And it just seems like they don't have to go through any of this trauma to get there. They're just doing it. And I just started questioning, asking myself the questions. That's what I tend to do. Um, but that led to the shaking and that led to me uncovering why the shaking was there. So it was actually a dear friend that said to me, why don't you write a letter? You know, you're blogging, just write this mm -hmm. letter. Maybe, you know, just share everything that you've been experiencing and feeling. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a blog and it was called Dear White Woman Who Wants to Be Like Me. This was in 2019. Mm. So I wrote the blog and I'd been speaking on social media about issues with Indigenous people, um, the truth of our history of Turtle mm -hmm. Island. Nobody really cared. Nobody really paid attention. Right. It was just sort of like my voice was just erased. And yeah. so I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to write this blog and it's probably going to go nowhere because nobody's paying attention. <laughs> so I published it. Um, and then it was like overnight, it went viral. Um, it was shared, I think, over 20,000 times or something. It was just wild. And I, I watched in awe and I had not prepared myself for that because <laughs> I bet I'd shared about these things for a while. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't prepared nervous system wise, like capacity wise, anything. Oof. So it really knocked me off my feet. Yeah, I bet like a tidal wave of energy coming towards you, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, I can only imagine. So, I, I, well, first and foremost, thank you for writing that letter and thank you for taking, and thank you for putting your voice into the mix so that we can hear you and are hearing you now and the book that you've written. I, I'm curious, like in that moment of you said your nervous system wasn't ready and that you weren't ready, uh, you know, and the capacity and I think this is a really important thing to talk about, right? The capacity to handle when we put ourselves out there into the world and we say things and we, we then have the responsibility, right? Of what has been said and spoken into being and how we manage that. What did you have to do to, to find your feet, love? <laughs> I feel like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of, a lot of boundary work. And, you know, yeah. I mean, the wiser me now would have had hired somebody for my emails and my DMs. Right. That was the most. That was the most um, overwhelming part was just, I couldn't go into my email inbox for a year after because of the trauma of 
what opening and just seeing what's going to come my way. There was like, you know, half the people were furious, half the people were grateful. So I never knew what was going to come. And then um, in my inboxes on Facebook, mostly on Facebook, um, people were just so mad. So um, I would have hired somebody because it just came to the point where it was way too many messages I could not get back to. And then also everyone, just everybody wanted to share their story about why they were using Indigenous practices. So I had a past life where I was an Indigenous person or uh, like all of their stories like wanting me to validate them. And so that was, um, it was a lesson for me in just kind of assessing what can I take in? What is, what am I responsible for taking in? How am I responsible for responding to these things? I know I put this out there, but I'm not responsible for soaking up everybody's stories when they write me a novel. Like that's not my responsibility. So it was a huge teaching of boundaries. Um, and I just, it was, I can say it was traumatic. It was a traumatic time for me. Oh um, and I just wasn't prepared for it. But sometimes we're not prepared for these things. That's when those really deep lessons come. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those cycles and seasons for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I as you're speaking, you know, I, I cannot imagine how overwhelming that must be, I mean, I've had my own experience, but nothing compared to what you've been through in terms of that kind of onslaught of people's opinion, right? Like of the camps of those who agree or disagree and the desire for validation and the desire for, you know, to be seen, right? That whole thing. And I think this whole journey for me around understanding white fragility, understanding whiteness as a concept, understanding white superiority and supremacy has been such an impactful, terrifying journey as a white person, let alone being with a person of color and being with their story. And we've all been through this kind of intense for those of us who are on the journey of listening and learning and trying to see how we're perpetuating and perpetrating this whole ideology, you know, and I know for me personally, there were some very powerful and very, very painful wake up calls in this last, I would say seven to eight years of my own trajectory. So I just want to bow to your willingness to stay in it and not just stay in it, but actually bring the beauty through Asha. Cause one of the things I really value about you is the love that you have for the people that you're here to work with and to walk with and that you really do stand as a bridge to that conversation and um, makes me tearful because I feel like that's what in the world of division, in the world of separation, in the world of hatred and othering, those of us and those who are willing to stand as bridges are gold for me because um, you know, I just came back from my own experience in England of facing into the fact that they're, I don't know, about eight to 10 years behind on this conversation, or at least in the circles that I was moving in. And I was a little horrified. And um, I found myself having to stand as a bridge and really taking that rage of what happens when you call in the idea of privilege, for example, and you're with people who haven't even looked at that at all, and how much power energy rage comes back at being threatened. And so I just really um, honor the bridge that you are and have been for me personally in my community. I know many of my community are walking beside you in your community. So there's a lot of crossover. Mm -hmm. So I'd love in that sense, I'd love to seed this place. When I saw the title of your book come out, my heart leapt because I just loved that you were enrolling us into being the medicine 
And I read this little section in your book this morning and I wanted to um, bring it in and just read it and have us talk about it. And if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's right at the beginning of the book where you talk about what medicine is. And you said, in my ways of knowing medicine is the vital healing energy that connects the spirit, mind and emotional bodies. It's something carried by all living beings. It's our connection, our roots and our life force. When we return to the medicine within ourselves and all of our relations, we come home. We find peace, acceptance, grace, and love. Medicine is something we all carry, birthed from our ancestors and held by our spirit. Hmm. Yes. (laughs) What happens when you hear me read those words back to you, love? Oh my goodness. It's so interesting hearing people read words back to me. Um, It's a whole new experience because I think I heard it from ancestral guidance or grandmothers or channeling. I heard it through my own voice when I got to speak it, but hearing it back um, activate something in me. Like, I guess that remembering that of those beings that supported me in writing those words and that definition of medicine, it really comes from, it kind of originates from my work as a homeopath. I was a homeopath for 15 years and I would energetically see people's Mm. medicine in front of me. Like it would like, it would sort of shine out at me, even though they Mm. couldn't see it. Mm. And then I thought, oh, how can I find an energetic match with a remedy that could help them remember that? And that's exactly like, it was such a gentle, yeah, profound way of activating and inviting somebody into their medicine. Um, But it was, I believe it's a gift of medicine of mine to be able to see that medicine and then be able to sort of unravel it and just clear away the block so that person could be aligned with the medicine. So then it was like, oh my goodness, of course there's medicine everywhere. Everything, every part of creation has their own medicine. And I think if we took that as a worldview, then we would treat the earth in a different way. And we would mm. treat each other in a different way, I think, even. Mm. Um, just, you know, for in an argument, just remembering, oh, right, that person has medicine in there. You know, how can I see that? Yeah. So that's that's really where it kind of came from. And then it's evolved since then in, in the medicine work that I've done with um, communities and groups and all the things. Yeah, well, it's such a, a powerful idea. And I love that you also weave in the piece around being a, having been a homeopath and still, you know, Obviously, that's a very clear directive as a medicine woman also Mm -hmm. that the medicine lives within the toxin or vice Mm -hmm. versa, right? And from my perspective, I'm an alchemist. And so for me, it's like I define my whole world according to alchemical principles because that's just how I see. And, you know, for me, within the shadow lies the light, within the wound lies the gift, right? We know this. It's the heart of the my lineage and my teachings is really um, coming from that Gnostic thread or from the early Christian thread, the before Christianity became Christianity, which is the the whole notion that God lives within, that spark of light lives within, and we're here to free that. We're here to embody that. So what is the medicine that you carry, love, mm-hmm. when you really feel into that now? Like it's obviously probably matured and changed, right? But what do you see as your own medicine at this point? Um, you know what I've had to learn, I think, because I'm a doer. (laughs) (laughs) I think that colonial trauma really did imprint in my bones and it was like the hustle and push and that's just like a part of me, inherently a part of me. So I've had to unwind from that. Mm. I'm really settling into the beingness of like my presence. 
I know, and I've known this when I would sit in front of people in my private practice, mm-hmm. everybody would say, why do I always cry when I'm in your presence? And I would just go through so much Kleenex because there would just be so many tears. And I think that there is a presence. I think we all carry that, but there's something about my presence in particular <clears throat> that unwinds something for people and, and breaks them open a little bit. So their authentic self can be shown. So that's part of it. And I think space holder as well. That's something that I love doing. I feel natural. Mm-hmm. I go into a space. I hold the space. I create circle space. And I feel like um, it's potent. So mm-hmm. those are the two things that I feel really aligned with right now. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I, when, when you were speaking, I, I'm really aware you know, I work a lot with archetypes of the divine feminine from a lot of different lineages. Um, and for me, when I, when I'm in your presence and online or, you know, even now in the meeting of you, I'm, I'm aware of this presence of compassion and, mm. um, you know, however we would name her. I'm wondering in your lineage, is there, is there a name for that? Or is there a God goddess that you work with that holds that energy? Yeah, I think it's an animal. So I ah. believe it's like a deer medicine is compassion. Ah, that would yeah. make sense to me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that deer is like, that deer has walked with me because I've also um, had a diagnosis of lupus when I was 17. And I feel yeah. like that deer constantly weaves in and out saying, can you be compassionate with yourself? Can you let go of all of that self-blame and shame and harshness and the ways that you feel like you're not perfect enough? Deer always comes in to just soften. So that's definitely the medicine that oh, walks with so me. really feel that. I'm really, really present to that deer medicine. And I, I, I was curious to see who you'd name it as because it's, you know, in from another lineage point of view, we call it the violet flame or the flame mm. of compassion that transmutes anything less than love, right? It's mm. that same universal force or Christed consciousness or however, you know, in other traditions, it could be Tara or Kuan Yin or, you know, this energy or Mother Mary, you know, this energy of um, the presence of the milk of human kindness. Of like, yeah, and and actually, Asha, that's so interesting. This is coming up because I've had a couple bouts with COVID myself in the last two years, and the last year I had COVID very badly, and I was really, really sick for about three months. Most sick I've ever been this lifetime. It was a powerful, powerful initiation, and during that initiation, one of the medicines that I really received from the mother when I was very much between the realms of life and death, I was in that bardic state and I, I was really, really facing into that place of like, am I going to be here or not? Like, am I going to get through this or not? And mother said to me, whether you live or whether you die is not the question. The question is, is who will you be as you live or die? And how will you choose to go through this? Will it be in terror and fear and in the darkness of the overwhelm? Or will you choose to stay breath by breath with the tenderness and the kindness and the compassion of your human kind? And um, it was a huge initiation into kindness um, and the medicine of kindness. And I, maybe that's what we want to talk about. Maybe that's where I'm being led here. Yeah, it is, because it's so misunderstood. That word is so misunderstood. And I feel like you have something to say about that, maybe from dear, about the nature of how our world is just crying out for some kindness. Yes. Oh. 
Yeah, oh, I feel that too. I feel you so deeply. Um, it's interesting because over the last couple of years, I've seen people put kindness down or say it's not, you know, it's not an important medicine. I've seen that in many memes and people's right. posts. And I've always felt when I was in grade four, I um, received this award. Um, it was like the kindness queen. Or the, <laughs> I remember we got, I, got a, I got to wear a crown oh and I got God. to get, we have this restaurant called Swiss Chalet here. I got to eat Swiss Chalet. <laughs> um, it was so, um, Princess of Kindness, that's what it was. Princess oh of my Kindness. God. Um, and I always, um, I always remember that because it is medicine. Kindness to me is medicine. And I, to me, kindness isn't weakness or kindness isn't like surrendering to something. It just, truly is that vibration that you hold where you can meet another heart. And I always say, if we could sit heart to heart, spirit to spirit and circle in person, I think so much could be resolved. If we could, yeah. if we could allow for nuance, um, if we could allow for repair, I think those are kind things. Like, um, I guess I do live from a very open heart centered place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I guess maybe other people think that's ridiculous or they judge that. <laughs> but I, th I mean, how do we not need more kindness? in the world right now our world you're right it's, it's been filled with a lot of division and there's been so so much and i'm not saying that from like a, the place where like i want to bypass any of that because it's no. been very important the truth has arisen it's been here and i think we could have we could deal with it in a kind way i still yeah. think we can infuse kindness into those conversations yeah that's what i'm here for and i'm I know that shame blocks all of that so yeah. when i try to talk to people i try to get us out of that because what I think what blocks us is, is our inner shame being comes up and then shuts us down right. and then we do nothing. So if we can infuse compassion and kindness into our spaces, then we can all open our hearts to each other and then we could move forward. That's my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said about, um, you know, I, I think when I first heard that word again being brought into me, it's like, yes, it's been diminished, right? Like mm -hmm. so many of the words that are connected into the feminine, tenderness, kindness, vulnerability, you know, we could go on and on, right? And and what I realized, well, there was a lot of things that I realized, well, I realized that we are called humankind <laughs> for a reason, that kind is taken from the root word kin, which means family, which means all my relations, right? That in your languaging is all our ancestors, is all beings, is we are kin with one another, whether we realize it or not. We are all here as the human, animal, bird, wild earth family, and to remember that. And so that it, it, it's intrinsic in kindness to remember our interconnection and that we are the same albeit different, you know, where there's mm -hmm. oneness in our diversity and diversity in our oneness. And I, I remember lying there and really being with, like, okay, kind, be kind with yourself. And in that kindness, it means being with what is, being with all of it, right? And so um, I love that we're talking about it as a medicine that's so needed. What, what's one of the other medicines that you think is needed to be brought forward right now? Like I, in the current moment that we're sitting in, which is a little bit precarious to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, the first thing I see is fire because I think we've been frozen. I think we've mm -hmm. been in an artificial winter. Um, you know, I work a lot with a medicine wheel and I think about yeah. those seasons and cycles. And I think this last two and a half years has been an artificial 
uh-huh. where our bodies and our systems weren't set up to be frozen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess some of the animals that hold that fire would be would be brilliant to come in, but I think that we need some unfreezing to happen because mm. we've been bombarded by so much that I, I feel like a lot of us are contracted <laughs> and it's starting to unfreeze, but it's like we're asking ourselves, is it safe to unfreeze? Yeah. We've been in this state for so long. How can we build safety? I'm too unfreeze. So I do see bear medicine because I was doing an animal spirit class last night and um, many people feel very vulnerable and um, kind of open, like open wounded kind of energy. So I see bear coming around with their fur and just saying like, you know, you are held, you are safe, you are safe to to venture out again um, into the world. And that seems really like a beautiful thing. Bear also carries, you know, part of medicine air bear grease that we use on our joints and when we have um, different things different ailments mm. so I always love the vision of putting bear grease on I think it just feels so nourishing and lubricating and that's mm-hmm. um, a medicine that's really helpful for me mm-hmm. I really relate to what you're saying about that frozen frozenness the overwhelm you know of being in the in the pandemic and being in the pandemic it over such a long period of time, right? I mean, two years is a long time to be um, in stasis, to be, like you said, stuck in an artificial winter where we couldn't really move forward with anything. It was like we were all just sort of stuck in the, in the, in the, in the, um, I, you know, like on the, on the wheel, like just in our houses, like isolated from each other and all the rest of it. And I've noticed that as I'm moving around the world, there's, there's kind of chaos. There's a little bit of chaos going on out there as a result of the systems not being set up. They, they kind of, all the systems shut down and then now everyone's trying to come back in and whether it's the airlines or the trains or the, you know, all the, the systems of movement are kind of clogged up or not working and people are still kind of like in that reverb. So I really love that idea of, um, for me, the I don't know if this is how bear is in, in, in your lineage. For me, bear always speaks to like mama bear. Like it's the mm-hmm. mama energy of like, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Like let's ground in together. Let's feel the nourishment and the safety of our bodies and the earth, even though we're in an incredibly unsafe moment. I just, I'm giving thanks right now. I'm in California. I'm actually on the on the land of the Nisanan people here in California. And I'm giving thanks that this year, I'm going to touch some wood on my head. I don't have any wood around me, but literally that we have not had fires this season. Mm -hmm. Like we are, I mean, we had one fire at the weekend. They managed to contain it really fast, but the last three years I've been evacuated and I've been really, you know, we've been in a very poor state here um, because of the climate what's happening with the climate and what's happening in the world. And so I feel like there's a need for medicine of cultivation of, of safety and groundedness, even in a world that feels incredibly unpredictable and unsafe. So maybe that's I agree. Part, yeah, part of what you're calling forward. So there's one other piece that I'd love to weave in that I think would be really powerful for us to chat about for a bit, Rasha, because I know it's a big part of your work, which is, around the whole notion of ancestral and generational wisdom and healing and um and your call for all of us whatever lineage we're from whether we're white or whatever different ethnicities or different color skins we have for us all to be doing the work of reclaiming our own roots and our own connection to our lineages and ancestors and i'd love to hear you speak a bit about that because this has been actually really seminal in my own work and i've done a lot of 
reclamation in the last couple of years with my own um, tribal lineages back in the UK. And it's been fascinating, actually, and been really illuminating. I found out that I'm 70% Celtic, which I did not know. And that's been clear, right? I have the red hair. I look like, yeah, Celtic Viking baby, which, you know, so many of us who are white, white folks are this mix, right? But, um, but with with that, there's been a reclamation of, of understanding that my family come from the certain lands and have done for many thousands of years. And I didn't know that. And it has changed something about how I relate to my culture, I have to say. So thank you for being part of that voice. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm curious, yeah, when you when you see that out into the world, yeah, talk a little bit more about what you're what you mean and where that's coming from in you. I think when I wrote that letter and really started to think about it, I started to think, why is why why are there so many people grasping at our medicines? What is that? Where is that need coming from? And that's really what I started to see was the disconnect. And primarily because my own medicines I'm disconnected to because of um, residential school trauma. My grandparents were in residential school and they were converted to to Catholicism. And that's the way like they loved the church. They loved that was just what was taught that's how i grew up catholic mm. so i think like i saw my own disconnect and then my own reclamation and i thought oh my goodness i can see why people are so drawn to the beauty of our medicines um it's mm. um indigenous cultures tend to be there tends to be that connection already kind of breathing and living through everything that we share which is so beautiful but i think it's a remembering it's like activating a remembering in every person who sees that yeah. so i started to redirect it and say well what's that remembering actually activating in you, even if you don't know the stories. Um, I know from doing so many journeys with so many people that that remembering can come through like your vision, your dream time, um, your sensations of your body. And I started to see that we would do ancestral journeys and people would say, oh my goodness, this like grandmother like figure came or this is where this wounding comes from. They would start to get information Mm -hmm. that was kind of from their memory, their cell memory. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, if you can do that, I think anybody can do that. I think we all have access to reclaiming parts of ourselves that, that live inside of us. Like this isn't something out there over in a different continent. This is living in your DNA. So how do we unlock that? And um, when I started sharing about that, most people said, well, I don't know who my ancestors are. And I don't even like some of my ancestors. People would say like, I don't, you know, I don't like that. My grandfather. And I said, well, you know, we started talking about the healed ancestors and how we provide healing for those generations back and forward. So I think those parts are really important to look at. And also the grief. There's so much grief um, of the disconnect. Like, I don't know who my ancestors are and I don't know anything about my lineage. We need to start there instead of just bypassing that grief. Like, well, why is that? What separated me? What's the story around that? Because I think we need to feel the extent of all of that first before we can start reconnecting again. So those are the things I've seen come up when people kind of come to me and we try to kind of work it out together mm-hmm. and then connecting to our pre-colonial ancestors, right? is like a whole other practice because colonization has affected all of us. These yeah. systems affect all of us. And if we can understand that, then I think mm-hmm. we can come together and see ourselves as more alike than different mm-hmm. and we can come to an understanding. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that, because because I think that that's really a deep, deep truth for a lot of us white folks when we start to get in touch with ancestry and our lineages and we're horrified at the colonials. You know, when we go back a couple generations, we're like, well, they were all 
colonists and they were the ones that were coming and doing all of this stuff, right? And for me, that ancient connection has been really, really powerful, you know, and making that connection to the pre-Roman times in, in England, for example, and in Europe before the Roman Empire invaded and basically did their which is really the basis of what's continued, right? For the last couple mm -hmm. thousand years here with, with the Roman Empire, kind of the Roman Catholic Church and the whole thing you were speaking about and becoming the, the colonial power all over the world. But previous to that, we all have indigeneity. We all have connection into different tribal roots that, um, by the way that you can go and trace if you're super interested in that through your DNA. If you're somebody who is open to doing that, you can actually find now they've done some amazing work at all the archaeological sites across the world where they gather the DNA, right? And they um, can figure out from those DNA samples basically where you have connection points. And so I think there's a very fascinating piece of work that's happening around reclamation, which mm. I want to really thank you because I think you were the first one that I really heard speaking about that invitation. Mm. And I think it's part of the healing. I really do think it's part of what your medicine is, which is that bridge, which is that compassion, which says, hang on a second, we've all lost from this. And that's, there's really a truth in that. And, and I see it with the split between men and women too, you know, and the whole mm -hmm. idea that men aren't just as damaged by patriarchy as we have been as women. And mm -hmm. so that there's a deep healing to do around the effect of this horrifying system that we've been, you know, abused and tortured by <laughs> for thousands of years. And I think that there's something really powerful in that. So what's next for you, my love? What are you, what's, what's creatively inspiring you? Cause you've had this whole book come out, which I'm sure that you have just been talking and talking and getting your ear talked off about the book because it's so fabulous and it's so accessible. And if you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. Um, because you really are the medicine. <laughs> um, but I'm curious what's, 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 what's fermenting? How has this shifted and changed you in the journey? Mm. Oh my goodness. It's so, it's so amazing to, it really feels like as I was speaking to you today, yeah. you know, I had this postpartum period that yeah. seemed to last forever. I know it's only been since March, but it did feel really long. Um, but I start, I'm starting to feel that creative spark. I also created an Oracle deck at this kind of at the same time. So doing that in the pandemic with two little kids and homeschooling was just oh like not gosh. something I would choose again. <laughs> um, so it's been like, I know it's been a couple, it's been an intense couple years for everyone. And that was something I'm excited. Somebody said to me, if you could create what you created in those conditions, you know, with your kids, like throwing Lego at each other, right. imagine what you can create when you had, when you have spaciousness or capacity. Yeah. So I've been thinking about that and I'm feeling that. So my Oracle deck comes out in February at the end of February and it's called Sacred Medicine Oracle. And I'm so excited about oh that. Gosh. The artwork's gorgeous. Um, and then I'm, you know, it's taken a year for me to really get clear on who I want to serve and why I'm here. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm creating a new container for um, facilitating mentorship and, um, you know, ceremony for, for healers and visionaries. That's my favorite work to do in the world, but I needed to take a bit of a break to realign myself and yeah. gain some capacity back after the book launch was a huge birthing. I never thought it would take as much capacity as it did, yeah. but it did. And, um, I'm, I'm grateful I put all of my, my energy into it mm -hmm. and I probably wouldn't do it in that way again. 
What did you learn about that? Because I'm curious, because there's so many of us who are being called to, you know, step into books and, and podcasts and all the rest of it. Like, I'm super curious about what, yeah. what you learned that you might pass on to us. Yes. Well, I think I was like, you know, I've learned over the years in business that um, I can't say yes to everything. Right. I am, I tend to be like a yes person, but then I've learned about that in certain aspects of my business. But then when the book came out, it was like a whole new business. I thought, oh, I'll just say oh. yes to everything. I want to sell as many books as I can. And I did. So I said, I think I did 73 podcasts or something over like two or three oh months. It was a lot. Oh my God. Oh, yes. well, thank you for agreeing to do that. <laughs> well, no, but now, now that we're doing this now, it's so nice because it's been like, you know, slower. And what I realized is I can only say yes to the aligned podcast. Uh, and yeah, they, I know and that people one. have to know they had to have read my book or know of my work because um, I didn't realize that was like something people don't do. So um, are you serious? People yes. even you without even knowing what your book is? Yes. So that was the, a good learning for me. So I think, again, it's about boundaries and um, being really mindful of, yes, you want your creation to do well, and you only have a certain amount of energy and um, capacity to share that. And also that I think when you have a spark of creation, if you feel you want to write a book or do a podcast or whatever that is, like spirits guiding, your ancestors are guiding you. Yeah. So make sure you're listening to them. You know, like pray, do offerings, do an altar for them. I did an altar for my book and for my cards and for my ancestors separately. And I fed those altars because I just think the energetics around it was so vital too. Oh, beautiful. What a beautiful piece of wisdom. And I, I, I so relate <laughs> to you. you. Like, I think when you're creative and you want, you you know, you're, you're in the yes of it and the fun of it and learning how to have that sacred no and that boundary around it. And also like to feel what's aligned. I think that that's really, you know, one of the things I've learned too is, is if there isn't resonance, if it isn't aligned, if I don't feel a connection, then it's not, it's, it's a no because the work that you you do and the work that I'm doing and the work so many of us are doing is energetic yep. and it's you know frequency and it's about coherence and resonance in the space and if that's not there then it's not going to amplify your message in the way no. that you want it amplified exactly <laughs> it takes, sometimes I'm like I'm learning this again <laughs> but don't you think we have to learn this over and over and over again it's like one of those things well on that note my darling I have a um, a couple questions for you because on the Red Podcast, I ask everybody these questions that came through spirit, that comes through the voice of mother as the Magdalene. When she said, you're going to do this Red Podcast, she said, and you're going to ask everybody these three questions. And I was like, okay, I'm here to ask these questions. So are you ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. Asha, what do you avoid but secretly yearn to express? Ooh. Oh goodness! Probably confrontation. Like when and when there's a confrontational energy, I think that I do avoid that. I'd rather everything just be okay really quickly. <laughs> I really, really appreciate you saying that. And so the edge would be for you to lean into that and be able to stay with it rather than wanting to harmonize it because you're a harmonizer, right? You like to. I'm a harmonizer. She's yes. a harmonizer. <laughs> yes. I I get it. I understand. <laughs> I understand. We're like we really like things to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay all right so what this is a great question what are you devoted to oh goodness i'm devoted to my inner reflection i think that's a really important mm. thing is my mm. inner work my inner reflection always 
always just sort of searching, okay, you know, what is, what is my part here? What do I need to go to? How can I do ceremony around that? That's really, that's my devotion. That sounds like a medicine to me too, Mm -hmm. that willingness to look and see what's, what's yours to do here. I love that. So beautiful. I love the word devotion. Devotion is one of my key words in my life. I'm very cryy today. Maybe that's that thing that you do with the people. (laughs) I'm like, I keep sitting here and I'm like, what am I weeping about now? God, it's great. It's so funny. Okay, so let me see. The last question. Oh, this is a good one. What is the most revealing thing about you that you hide? Oh. Yeah, Red likes to ask these questions. (laughs) (laughs) I like to hide. See, I'm kind of an open open book, but um, probably maybe that I like to wear really short skirts. (laughs) (laughs) See? This is where she gets us to tell our naughty little secrets that we think are bad and wrong. And she's like, I love that about you. <laughs> but Asha Frost, everyone likes to wear really short skirts. There we go. What can we say? Nobody can tell. Nobody can ever tell, right? It's no, because you're only ever seen from the neck up. You know, I had this great experience over the summer. I met a whole bunch of people that I've never met in person because they've only ever seen me on Zoom or on the screen. And we were like, I had this whole experience of like, oh my God, you're so much bigger than I thought that you were. You know, I'm nearly six foot tall, but you can't tell that because I'm just sitting on the screen. And it was really, really comical to be with people in their bodies because we've been so, for two years, so on the screen, right? So, oh my goodness, I love it. Well, I have had a blast speaking to you today, darling, and I I, I just love that we got to connect in this way. And I'm a huge follower and fan and yeah, just so, so love the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for, I know the personal sacrifice it takes to put yourself out there. It's not, it's not easy, especially if you, if if you don't like conflict, (laughs) right? I mean, cause you know, you, as soon as you put your opinion and your thoughts out there, everyone else has got a thought and opinion back, right? It's like, whoa, okay. (laughs) I didn't realize that was going to happen. Okay. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me. I've just admired you for so long and I'm just grateful we got to connect in this way. Me too. I can't wait for your um, oracle cards to come out. I'm also secretly working on an oracle card deck too, y'all. So um, yeah, it's definitely the way out there. I I was called to that. So I know that you have um, a quiz. What's the quiz? Tell us about the quiz that we... The quiz. The quiz is um, what, what is your animal spirit? What is the season and cycle you're in? So it's based mm. on the medicine wheel. So okay. yes, I would invite you to, I mean, you can do it more than once, right? Because our seasons change. So I'd love to yeah, know about what, what is your animal spirit right now? So the link to that quiz is underneath. Um, go find out what animal spirits are calling for your attention. And I just want to honor your presence here. Thank you. The presence of all the ancestors, the presence of this land upon which I sit and also the presence of my own land where I've just come back from. I'm, I'm doing some big weaving right now, y'all. You all know that. You've been hearing about it. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be speaking more about home and what home is and where home is and all the lineages and lands that have touched us. So blessings, blessings. Thank you all. And I will be back with another Red Podcast episode with you very, very soon. But I today am so honored to have been with Asha Frost. Bye, my love. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Podcast. It's 
It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red Women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings. Blessings.